But what I'd like to do, I'd like to do something different this morning. I'd like everyone to stand, and we're going to read uh, verses 9 through 11, 9, 10, and 11 this morning in honor of the Lord, and then we'll get into our study. So if, if we can all stand again, Revelation chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, all the way to verse 11. Let's read this together out loud. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. And as we stand before you and read your word, God, we do it in honor of you. God, I pray that you be glorified, Lord, as we dive into these verses, God, as we go deep into it to learn, God, and to be affected, to be transformed. Lord, may it inspire us, God, to live for you even more. So I ask, God, that by your Holy Spirit, you would anoint this time, Lord, and that you would speak to us, Jesus, for we need you, we want you in such a great way. So bless this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week in Pakistan, two Muslims killed a Christian who was trying to protect his sister. The two men had followed her home and broken into the house to grab her. Uh, the brother got in a fight with them when he tried to stop them, but she was taken to this nearby um, open market, stripped naked and mocked, basically, for her beliefs. This just happened this a, a week ago. When the brother went to the police for help to report all this, they asked him to file a formal complaint, to which these authorities did Nothing. Because of this report, though, these two Muslim men, they found out, they went and sought the brother out, took him, beat him, they poisoned him, kidnapped him, and then just dumped him in the middle of a road, half dead. Later, this Christian man died in a hospital. True story, this happened just a week ago in Pakistan, and how sad is that? Persecution is raging for Christians there in Pakistan. You know, I was thinking about this. According to persecution.org, Christians make up 1.59% of the population in this Muslim-governed country. It looks to me, and, and, and I want you to follow my thought here, it looks to me since Christians do not go along with the social majority, you know, that uh, the social majority of thinking, it's acceptable to shame, to abuse, even kill a person. I mean, I was thinking about the authorities, you know, just kind of the police looking the other way. They say even other minority religions are treated and abused badly in that country. It seems so crazy, doesn't it? I mean, to us here in America, we think, wow, that, oh, that's crazy over there. You know, halfway around the world, the, the, the eastern country, the Asian, Middle East kind of countries. And it's crazy how people would treat someone else, right? How people treat one another. But let me tell you this. Our Western society is changing too. Our Western society, our, our country that we even live in, it's, it's getting that way. It, it's sort of like how, I was thinking about this, how out of control the cancel culture is. Have you heard that term, right? The cancel culture. Like, the, the idea really is if you don't stand on the same side, like in your political views or, or social issues, if, you don't, if you're not in the same opinion, then you know what, you're targeted, then, then you're publicly shamed. Then, then they go to destroy your reputation. And even, I've read so many articles of people losing their livelihood, their jobs. I mean, just society. Uh, um, the mass of people believing in one thing can, and, and can go and destroy a person's life. I mean, I understand. I mean, in one sense, okay, uh, when things are first you know, happening in this manner 
where society, where a group of people believed in something. We're going after like people in power or, or you know, people who hold positions. And, and, and you kind of say, okay, yeah, justice you know, is being brought to that. But then we're, we're seeing things even turn more vicious and crazy. And we've seen it in the news. We've seen it all last year. We've seen stuff going on where, where like, like the mass belief of society or a group, right? That is what is right. And that is what they go after to people who don't believe in the same things. And so it, it's like it's, it's all okay what I do. Yeah, this is justice, whether right or wrong, you know, when in especially as Christians, what we feel, whether biblical or not, what's happening is the beliefs of the majority rule will call these actions justice and make it okay. It's okay to destroy someone's reputation. It's okay to shame someone publicly or on social media. It's okay to to pressure a company to get that person fired. That's what's going on here. Well, I believe this cancel culture, quote unquote, is really a shadow of things to come in the tribulation. You see, in the tribulations, Christians will literally be, quote unquote, canceled. Their lives will be taken for believing in Jesus Christ and the word of God and not going along with the rest of the world, and even what the government is saying. That's what we're going to see here. But God sees it all and will bring a true justice when the judgment falls in the time of the tribulation. Today we're going to go on here to the fifth seal, the opening of the fifth seal in Revelation 6 of what we just read, verse 9 through 11. And I titled our message, The Coming Justice, for the martyrs of Jesus. We're going to see here the tribulation saints, the troubled cry, and the trusted word as we continue on. I hope you guys are, are, are really going, uh, really uh, maybe enjoying and learning, you know, what we're learning here in Revelation 6. You know, I, I had uh, uh, in my mind originally uh, a thought of doing just the four horsemen all in one message. We ended up taking it apart. When we first went to Revelation, I did all chapter 6 in one message. But as I've been going through this and, and meditating every week, and even um, I told someone uh, last weekend, uh, uh, last Sunday, you know, after service, I, you know, they're like, oh, you can do just the fifth seal? Because you've been doing each horse, you know, each seal. I said, oh, no, no, we're going to finish the chapter. But you know what, this week I was like, well, there's a lot here, you know, that we can learn that, we, that may help us. In the times we live today to understand how we're heading into and how what we're seeing is a shadow of things to come. So I hope you guys are, are, are enjoying and also learning and this is all helping you to live today and what is going to come, you know, uh, learning and what is going to come tomorrow. So anyway, number one in our outline is the tribulation saints and each Heading is going to be each verse we're covering today. And number one, the tribulation saints. And so take, one, take a look once again, verse 9. Uh, we read it, but I'll read it again. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. So let's just take that verse right now. You know, as we look at verse 9, it says, when he opened. Who's opening this? This is Jesus, right? So when Jesus opened the fifth seal. Now, remember, this seal is part of the seven seals that are being opened, which is sealing the scroll in Jesus' hand. We learned in Revelation chapter 5 that this scroll is a title deed to the earth. And it contains this process of taking back the authority over the earth that was lost to Satan when man sinned. And we learned all that back in Revelation 5. And let me say, if you missed any of this, if you missed the four horsemen messages, you can go on our podcast, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can go back to our YouTube channel, even Facebook. Or, I forgot, I keep forgetting to say, on our website, you can get the audio message and, and listen to it right there. So we learned all that, that this is the scroll. And so Jesus is unrolling the scroll as he breaks the seals like a Roman document. And each time 
comes a judgment from God. This process comes uh, with opening the seals and it releases God's judgment being poured out on the world and in different ways. And that's what we've been saying with the force for horsemen, right? And this is the time from the opening of the first seal. This is a time in which we call the tribulation. And things are going to get even worse in the three and a half year mark. It's going to be seven years of tribulation in the midpoint. It's going to get even more worse. And we're going to see that as after the seals will come the trumpets and then the bowls. And and actually the last three and a half years of the world as we know it is called the great tribulation. So this is a whole seven year tribulation. And we saw last time the opening of the four horsemen, the, the white horse, which represented right the Antichrist rising up, being the world leader. The, we saw the red horse, right? Warring, violence, people killing each other. We saw the black horse, uh, uh, worldwide famine. And then last time we saw the pale horse, which was widespread death. So again, if you miss it, you can go back and listen to the messages. So now as we come into verse 9, we come to the fifth seal. And John here it, it sees something. It's different from the horses. Things change from the four horses coming out. Here we see in, John, in verse 9, John sees now, he says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. So when this fifth seal is opened up, John then now, the scene goes to under the altar. There's some people. And who are these people? These are believers who've been martyred for their faith. They've been slain. Now, let me answer a few questions here. And, and this will be kind of like our points to understand what's going on here. And so anytime you read verse 9 or someone says, Oh, what, what is this? What are, what are these people under the altar in this fifth seal? Well, hopefully after today, you'll be able to share with someone what this is. So let me answer a few questions here. Number one, who are these martyrs? Who are these martyrs? Answer, they are the tribulation saints. So who are these martyrs? They are the tribulation saints. So when Jesus opens his fifth seal, understand we're already well into the tribulation. Now, we don't know exactly uh, when some of these events transpire. Uh, commentators will speculate on, on exactly when these things will happen. I, I tend to feel like it, it, it is sort of an overview, but at the same time, it is events that are happening, like the rise of the Antichrist, beginning of tribulation, the white horse. And all the other things we saw, the violence and the wars, I, I, I gave you an idea of where that would be falling in place, but I believe that's going to start happening. And the, the famine and all the deaths, it's going to already start happening at the beginning of the tribulation. and It'll peak out in certain points and, and, and during those years. And, and so what we know, though, is that all these seals are beginning to come out as the end of tribulation. And we know that the first... The white horse was the beginning of the tribulation. So by the time we get to the fifth seal, right, it, the tribulation is going on. It's obvious. Tribulation go, is going on. Now, let me help you a little bit. The church is taken to heaven in the rapture, and I've taught you so many times last year and in this book, before the start of the tribulation, right? We learned that. Chapter 4, learned last year, Thessalonians, all our studies there. So we know the church is taken to heaven to heaven in the rapture before the start of the tribulation well these people let me tell you they were saved after the rapture happened these people were saved during the tribulation and these people were martyred in the tribulation that's the idea here that's what's going on so these people that we see here in verse 9 these people are called the tribulation saints. These guys, they're, they're martyred, but they're people who have been saved during the tribulation time. Now, remember we talked about there's a restraining power of the Holy Spirit working through the church, and that's going to be taken away at the rapture. We learned that in 2 Thessalonians 2, 6, and 7, right? Then all-out evil comes upon the world because the church is taken out, that restraining uh, uh, power in society through the work of the Holy Spirit. But when the church goes, 
and the work of the Holy Spirit through the church goes, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit will no longer be working. The Holy Spirit will still be on the earth bringing people to Jesus, bringing people to be saved. So understand that. So the church goes up in the rapture to heaven. But after that, people will get saved. And those people who get saved are the tribulation saints. That's what they're called. Christians who, who are living during the tribulation. And many of them, probably most of them, but many of them will be martyred. And these are the guys here that we see in verse 9. We know that God is going to save people because in the next chapter, in chapter 7, we're going to see God send out 144,000 missionaries, Jewish missionaries. They're going to go out and they're going to witness Jesus Christ. And I believe that's going to be one, one way that Israel will, people in Israel will get saved and people in the world. We know in Revelation 11, God's going to send two witnesses. And they're going to be proclaiming Christ and Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They're going to be preaching the cross of Jesus in Jerusalem. And we know in Revelation 14, right before it, it really literally like all hell breaks loose. Everything is just, oh, it's going to get really bad. God actually dispatches, he sends angels to go out through the whole world proclaiming the gospel warning people that judgment is about to fall so if God's doing all that we know people are going to be getting saved right so we're going to see that so when the church is taken to heaven in the rapture think about this there will be not one believer on the earth because believers go to heaven in the rapture but God will give more chances for people to come to be saved by Jesus. And many will respond. And those people are what we call the tribulation saints. And they're going to be martyred. And they are here in verse 9. So, who are these martyrs? They are the tribulation saints. So under that, understand that. Those are the ones who, who died and are now here in this scene in heaven. All right, here's a second question. Why are the martyrs under the altar? That's a good question, yeah? Why are they under the altar, it says here? Well, the answer is the tribulation saints have not received their glorified body yet. Okay, let's take a look at this. First notice, as I mentioned, their location, right? John sees under the altar. These guys are under the altar. Now, John would understand something here. In the Old Testament time, animals were offered up on the altar in the temple. But here in heaven, instead of animal blood at the base of the altar, John saw the martyrs who had offered their own lives up for their faith. So that's, that's sort of the tie here. And so understand these tribulation saints now, they're in a different location. Just take note of that. They're in a different location than the raptured church. They're, they're somewhere else. Now, back in chapter 4, we saw, we talked about the church represented by the 24 elders. We, we saw, you know, the, the, the church is in heaven. Yet these guys are in a different location. What's, what's going on here? Well, notice something else here. Notice how John describes these guys. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. Now, the rapture church, right, they're in heaven. They have their glorified bodies. But you know what? Not these guys. We know in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, right, with the sound of the trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise first. They're going to get their glorified bodies. We, we talked about that back in our studies there. And then we who are alive will be caught up together with them, and others will get our glorified bodies, and then we'll be forever with Jesus in heaven at the rapture now. So these guys do not have their glorified bodies yet. So that's why these believers are not with other believers, the church, they're under the altar at this time. They have not received their glorified bodies. Let me show you something. Turn to the end of Revelation, to Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to read verse 4. Revelation chapter 20, 
the end of Revelation here, uh, verse 4, as you're coming there, uh, this is after chapter 19 when Jesus returns. He, he, he conquers all the armies. He sets up his kingdom. He, he, he brings judgment on the world. And then, he's, and then it talks about the millennium, a, a restored, renewed earth that we're going to all live on. So in verse 4, John writes this of Revelation 20. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw, look, the souls... Notice that word, the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. And then look at the next four words. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. What does that mean, they came to life? You know what that means? They received their glorified bodies. So, at the point in verse 9 of Revelation 6, they're under the altar. They haven't received their glorified bodies yet. They're tribulation saints. They're not like the church who received the, their glorified bodies in the rapture. So these guys are in a separate location because they have not received their glorified bodies. But they will. In Revelation 20, when Jesus Christ comes, takes over, in his second coming, takes over the old sets up the millennium, these guys, then they will receive their glorified bodies. Then they'll be resurrected. Then they'll come to life and help rule and reign with the other believers with, uh, here on the earth. So that's why these guys are under the altar. And just a note, you know, for me personally, when, when I... Uh, was going back over my mind. I mean, I, I grew up Calvary Chapel, Pastor Chuck, talking about uh, rapture, pre-trib, uh, 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 you know, uh, thinking and all of that. And, and I thought, you know, I've been taught this, but let me really make, take ownership of it. And I started studying everything and First Thessalonians and uh, not under the wrath and Noah and everything, all this stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, okay, I see it. But you know what, what really sealed it for me? Right here, you can go back to Revelation 6, verse 9, this verse. Because it made me, it, it, I, when I really studied, like, who are these guys underneath? Why aren't they with the church? Oh, it's a different group. We have the church in heaven, but we have the martyr tribulation saints. There's really a third group of believers, and that's going to be Jewish believers, and we're going to be seeing that in Revelation. So it all, it all came together for me that, you know what? I see that the Bible talks about pre-tribulation rapture. So who are these martyrs? They are the tribulation saints. Why are the martyrs under the altar? The tribulation saints have not received their glorified body yet. And number three, why were the tribulation saints killed? Well, Obvious answers for not standing with the world and believing in Jesus. That's why. That's why they're a martyr. They're persecuted and killed. So John writes, these martyrs were slain. They were killed, right? And kind of picture the red horse here, right? Remember, we're talking about like, like people are going to, it's not just wars, but people are going to be like killing one, one another, yeah? And it's just, it's, it's going to be, normal, commonplace, and people are going to be dying. Well, I think many of those people, and it starts in the beginning of the tribulation, it starts, I think, with a lot of Christians dying. So we see in verse 9, John says, the souls of those who have been slain for the word of God. They were sharing the word. And you know what I believe? I believe they were sharing what the word was saying about what is going on in the tribulation right now. I mean, can you imagine... All these things happening. I mean, the next year, there's going to be a lot of uh, calamity, you know, and earthquakes and stuff. And I'm sure people are going to be like, well, what is happening? You know, is, is God doing this or what's going on? And hey, these tribulation saints will be sharing, you know what's going on? It's the judgment of God. That's what's going on. And so they're sharing the word of God. But maybe like today, there's more and more opposition and hatred to, to the truths and principles of God and people are getting more antagonistic and hostile. Probably when people say, oh, you know what? It's the judgment of God falling upon us in the world. We rejected Christ and, and that's what's going on. People are not going to like that. People are not going to like the light of the world even calling right, someone 
uh, calling out someone, I should say, that, you know, the Bible says that's really a sin, right? It's not some race issue, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's a moral issue here. And so people are probably going to get all up in arms and slay Christians for preaching and sharing what the Word of God says about this judgment. So I, I, I kind of believe that's what's going on. I mean, think about what um, Isaiah 5, verse 20 and 21, you, you can look at that later, but, but think about this. Isaiah back then was prophesying of the nation of Israel as they wandered and drifted away from God and their thinking got all turned around. And I think it's a prophecy of even our world today where he talked about you guys are going to be calling evil good and good evil. It's going to all flip, flip around. So, and you guys can be wise in your own eyes. So think about that today. Yeah, Think about how that's whole rolling into this bigger thing, right? Of what we held to, biblical principles in our society, right? I mean, we joke about, oh, oh the black and white TV days, yeah? <laughs> the leave it to beaver days and everyone's soul, you know, there was morals and, and, and there was politeness and there was, the, you know, it seemed like there was more biblical uh, uh, support, you know, support for biblical morals, but now it's like, whew, upside down, right? Evil is good. And what we say is good and right and true, it's called evil, right? So think about there, and if you're a tribulation saint, and you say, no, here's, here's what's going on. It's, it's, it's the judgment of God. That's what we're in the tribulation. You know what this is about? It's because of our sins. And Oh, think about that. People are going to get all angry. And then he says they're slain, secondly, for the witness they had borne. And you know what? I believe this, it's the witness of God's love. Like they share, you know what? We, I, 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 I'm here too. And I should have gone in the rapture, but I didn't. But now I see it. But you know what? I'm a sinner. I, I messed up, but I found Christ's love. God loves me still. I, I see that his atonement when he died on the cross is still for me, and I, I'm still saved. And I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I found salvation there. And that's their witness. That's their testimony. And so, yeah, they're sharing, you know where we are, we're under the judgment of God, but I'll tell you what, I'm here too because of my sins. But you know what? Jesus loves you, and he can love you and save you just like he saved me. That's what they were slain for. The world didn't like it. The world, the government, canceled that message and testimony. So you see, these tribulation saints, they were killed for not standing with the world and believing in Jesus. They weren't going along with how everyone else thought. We don't like you because you don't think like us. So you can see yeah, that happening in the future. You know, I, I really believe after the rapture, many will come to give their life to Jesus. You know why? Because you and I were sharing Jesus. You and I were sharing, hey, you know, Book of Revelation says there's a time coming, these days uh, of, of really bad times, and God's judgment's going to fall, be the end of the world. But Jesus is going to return. So come to Jesus. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. And, and you know what? I think... A lot of these people are the people who are like, ah, you're crazy. Yeah. What? All these years, thousand years, yeah, the Bible's been talking about Jesus hasn't returned. Yeah. Oh, nah, I don't want that. Yeah. But you've been sharing, you've been trying to share, and then all this happens, and you're gone. The whole world changes. Christians are gone. What are they going to think? Oh, my gosh. What my parents were saying is true. Oh my, oh, oh, what my friend was saying is true. Oh my gosh, the, the Bible is real. It's happened. Can you, can you imagine the, the chicken skin coming on them when we're gone? When millions of people disappear like that and no one can explain, but it's those people who talked about Jesus and Jesus returning? Can you imagine those that we love, we've been sharing and praying for, can you see that all of a sudden they're going, wow. This is true. Think about that person who's left behind and sees this. 
what are they going to do? They're going to find a Bible, right? They're going to find your Bible and say, well, Revelation, what, what, what's going on here? I need to learn. Uh, I, I wasn't paying attention. I've got to learn. And, and you know, maybe before uh, all the sermons and this sermon that's posted on YouTube disappear, which I think it will be taken down, they're watching. They're watching this message right now. They're, they're, they're learning what's going on, what's happening. Who's Jesus? Oh, how can I be saved, right? Can you imagine that going on? They're going to seek that out. And so I believe many of these tribulation saints are the ones who realize that they've been fooled by Satan this whole time. And they see that this is God's truth. And all of a sudden, they get passionate because they're saved. They see the truth and they're going to go start sharing with people. And they're going to start sharing. They're going to be bold. The people aren't going to like that, right? Because society in that time is going to be even more, more pulled together than today. And this, this group uh, uh, mentality of whatever the group believes is right, yeah? Which can turn into this mob mentality, right? Lynchings, so to speak, that happen. is going to be more worse. And so these guys are going to be martyred. They're going to be killed. And then, here's the worst thing. Three and a half years into the tribulation, the Antichrist, he's going to stand in that rebuilt Jewish temple, declare himself God, and require the whole world to worship him as God, to bow down to him. You see, for him, he, he wants to be more than the leader of the world. He wants to have more than just power over Everyone, he wants to be worshipped as God. And if anyone does not bow and worship him as God, what's going to happen? They're going to get killed. The red horse stuff is going to build up to this, where people will die and the pale horse will happen and, and, and people will be killing Christians. People who bow to the Antichrist, think about that, who say, yeah, 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 it's him, yeah. They're going to take up arms too and say, yeah, we're for him, yeah. Well, what? You believe in Jesus? You're wrong. And kill people. Persecution will peak when the government, the world government, makes a policy for Christians to be slain. That's what's in store. That's what's coming. That's what we see in verse 9. I hope you understand that. That's what's in store. Listen to this. For tribulation saints, there's going to be persecution like never, ever before. Listen, you may be sitting here, maybe you're connected online, you're hearing all this, and, and, and you think, well, okay, you know what? After the rapture, you guys go, you know, that's, yeah, I'll give my life to Christ then, but I'm, I'm happy where I am right now. But know this. When that happens... It's going to be much harder to give your life to Christ. And even if you do, it will be a much harder time to be a believer. Let me give you a word of advice. It's much better to give your heart to Jesus today. Right now. Right now, you guys. This is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Give your heart to him. Don't think, oh yeah, well then when it, oh I'm in the tribulation, I'll just have Jesus then and then I know well at least I'm under the altar if I get killed. You're gonna be challenged. You're gonna, it's gonna be a the most hardest time. Think about how many people they're in their fear and death and dread will denounce Christ and walk away from Jesus during this time. Because it's gonna be hard. I mean, you and I, I have never faced that, like this, that Pakistanian man who was killed, yeah, for his faith. I've never had a gun to my head, so you better renounce Jesus. It's going to be a hard time. So it's better today to give your life to Jesus and to go to heaven in the rapture and have your glorified body. Today. So give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're up online, you're connected, and you know, you're not a Christian. You know, today's the day to give your heart to Jesus Christ, to believe in Him that He is Lord God, that who came to this earth, died on the cross for your sins, and rose again, that you can be forgiven and cleansed, that then you can have eternal life, you, you have a place in heaven, that, that, you, that you can have a new life now. 
Yeah? That you can have this relationship with God now. That He can work intimately in your life now through the Holy Spirit. That He can make you a whole new person today and free you from the bondage of sin. You can have that today. I don't, I don't want to face all this stuff. It's better to give your life to Jesus today, right now. Right where you're at. Just say a little prayer. And Jesus will come into your life. You know, years ago, you remember a movie came out? It was called The End of the Spear. It was that story, basically, of the five missionaries who were martyred by the Alka Indian tribe in Ecuador. Uh, maybe you guys caught that or not, but... One of the missionaries that was on that team was um, Jim Elliott, who, who died. And, you know, if, if you can, grab um, this book by his, his wife back then, uh, Elizabeth Elliott, called Through the Gates of Splendor. And it's about Jim Elliott and his heart. And there's other writings by him. And, and I'll tell you, he was an all-in, all-out kind of guy. I mean, he was full on, talk about someone who's 100%, 110% for Jesus, that was Jamelia. Talk about, I, I was thinking, he's like, he's like the, uh, someone who followed after the Apostle Paul, you know. But he was all in, all out kind of guy. Well, five years before he was martyred on this, on this missionary venture, he wrote this. When it comes time to die, make sure all you have to do is to die. I love that. No regrets, yeah. No, oh, 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 I got to do, I wish I did this, yeah? I, I could say when it comes time for the rapture, make sure all you have to do is just go in the rapture, right? That's what we got to be. That's what we got to be. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day to commit your life to God. Today, today is stop fooling around, yeah? Make your life count for Jesus Christ. Because what's coming is a time of persecution like never before. And I want to be in heaven when that comes. Well, let's go on to number two, the troubled cry. The troubled cry. In this coming justice for the martyrs of Jesus, we've seen now the tribulation saints. We learn that in verse 9. And then verse, uh, uh, verse 10 now is the troubled cry. Let's take a look at this again. It says, They tr- cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now these martyrs, they cried out loudly. They, 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 were, they were troubled, but they were passionate in saying, How long, God, before you judge in what is going on here? How long before, really, justice is done? When is this justice going to come now? Now, understand something. They're not asking God for, like, some personal vendetta. It's not like they're filled with some bitterness and hate. Oh, look what they did to me. God, you get them back, you know. That kind of thing. Have you ever prayed that prayer? <laughs> David has, yeah. Right? But, but it's not like that kind of heart, yeah? No, this is, let's say, a holy prayer asking more like, God, how much longer will Satan and the Antichrist do their evil? I mean, how much longer is this going to go on and, 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 and Christians will be persecuted and, and believers, your children will be persecuted and, and killed here and martyred? Now, I, I believe these guys know that God will bring an end yeah, to these evil powers in judgment. That, that I'm sure they read Revelation. I'm sure they studied it, right, at this point. They know, they know the end. And, and, and they know that people of the world are being judged, and, 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 but this evil's going on, and so it's more like, Lord, we long for your glory to be seen on the earth, for Jesus to reign, not evil anymore. This is all evil wickedness going on. And they understand that God is in control, right? Verse 10, they say, Oh, sovereign Lord, God, you're in control here. And you're holy and true. You're righteous. You're, you're, you're not going to do any wrong here, but we know you will bring justice. So that's more the heart of the cry here. The troubled cry is a prayer for God to bring justice and justice for the martyrs of Jesus. That's our title. Warren Wiersbe wrote in his commentary, It is not personal revenge that they seek, but vindication of God's holiness 
and the establishment of God's justice. So that's the heart behind here. So, so, so what I want you to see here is, the, is this. And, and this is the key thing about this fifth seal. The fifth seal is about God's judgment for those who have persecuted and killed his children. That's what the fifth seal is about. Now, remember from the, the first seal, the horses, you know, the second, third, fourth to here. And each seal is like an outpouring of judgment. Well, this is how the fifth seal fits in here. The fifth seal is about God's judgment coming for those who have persecuted and killed his children. That's why I titled this message on the fifth seal, right? The coming justice for the martyrs of, of, of uh, Jesus. That's what this fifth seal is about. That's what they're crying and praying to God about, is that the judgment and justice would come for the persecution and killing of God's children. Psalm 37, 28 says, For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. So think about how no matter how society may change, right, the definition of what is right, what is wrong, what is morally, yeah, the, the good, and what is morally bad, what sin is, basically, no matter what, how society may change that, or even make laws to reflect they're the society's thinking at the time, right? God will not change, right? God keeps to his word and truth, and God will not let it go on forever. So understand that. And that's the justice of God that they're crying out for. The world and the tribulation is all out for the Antichrist. It's all out for evil. It's okay to kill someone. All out for immorality. All out for for everything we're seeing this world roll into. But God will still bring justice for the wrongs they've done. And especially for how it affected the believers. I read about this justice name, uh, well, Justice Gray of the Supreme Court. He once told a man who had... uh, appeared before him in one of the lower courts that had escaped conviction by some technicality in the law. And he told him this, I know that you are guilty, and you know it. And I wish you to remember that one day you will stand before a better and wiser judge, talking about God, and that there you will be dealt with according to justice and not according to law. God will bring justice one day. And that's what we trust the Lord in here. That all the injustice, the wrongs that maybe we've suffered under, no worry, no worry. It's better to just let God have it, yeah? Not be so troubled. It's better to just say, God, I know you see it, and you'll take care of it, and I'll rest in you. It's, that's better than being angry, giving yourself over to fleshly emotions, giving yourself to bitterness and hatred. Just pray and trust, like these guys are doing here, that one day justice will come, and it will come for sure when judgment falls upon the world. All right, let's go to number three here, our last heading, the trusted word, the trusted word. Verse 11, Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So what we see here is God answers their prayer, their cry. And in two ways we're going to see how God answers this. And number one is this. God tells them, don't let your concern about injustice on earth take away from the rest enjoyed in heaven. That's what I want you to see here. See, the martyrs are, 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 we see here in verse 11, they were each given a white robe. And a white robe, right, represents the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
They, even though they're under the altar, even though they haven't got their glorified bodies yet, they are still covered by the blood of Jesus. They're still in heaven because of the blood of Jesus. They have eternal life because of the blood of Jesus, because of their belief in them, and they can be a part of heaven. Maybe they're not with the church, and they're under the altar, but they can still enjoy heaven. They can still dwell in heaven and be there. And so that's why we see in verse 11, they are given at this point, hey, a white robe. It's okay, right? And then they are told to rest. Rest from what they endured back on earth. You know what's interesting to see is in heaven, you can still be concerned for the state of people on earth. Take note of that here. Isn't that interesting? In heaven, you can still be concerned for the state of people on earth. You remember in Luke chapter 16, Jesus told of a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. And remember, that's not a parable. He didn't start it as a parable or anything, but I believe it's an actual account that happened. And and the rich man who had no concern for the poor man or God ended up in a place of torment when he died. Well, when the, the poor man died, Lazarus, he was with Abraham in a place of comfort called Abraham's bosom. And it's a place where believers went before the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what this story was about. Well, anyway, the rich man, in torment, called out to Abraham to send word so that uh, his five brothers could be warned of this place of torment, that they would believe God. And Abraham said, hey, you know what? They already had the scriptures of what uh, Moses said, the prophet said. They already have all that they need, and they should know already. But anyway, this, the, the, like this passage, after death, we're aware of those back on earth. I don't know, maybe that's part of the torment too. Your regret of where you are and the thought of your loved ones, they're going to end up in a place like this. Perhaps that's what it is. So just, just take note of this as we're looking at that. It's interesting to see in heaven you can still be concerned for the state of people on earth. And that was their concern, right? But one more thing, take note of this. It's also interesting to see in heaven you can still be at rest even knowing what's happening on earth. God said, rest right now. Rest. Even knowing what's going on. Revelation 21.4 says in this, when the new heaven, new earth comes, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. So there is no weeping. There is no sadness in that way. But does that mean then, you go to heaven, does that mean your mind is like wiped, you know, and you don't know what's going on? You don't know about your loved ones who don't know Jesus. Does that mean like your, your, your mind, a mind wipe? Yeah, you know, uh, they pass a little bar over your head when you enter heaven. Oh yeah, happy, happy day, happy day, you know. Is that what's going on? No, I believe we will still know, but it won't affect us like it affects us here on earth. Listen to Isaiah 65, 16 and 17, the last part of 16, but Isaiah 65 says, The former troubles are forgotten and are hidden from my eyes. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. If you put those two verses together, you see that, oh, okay, the the former troubles, they're going to be forgotten. That's really the focus. I believe the pain of our former troubles will be forgotten, or in other words, they will no longer affect us like it did does here on earth. The pain will be forgotten, but not the memories. The, the, how it affected us, how we felt, how it, it brought us down, that will be forgotten. That will no longer affect us. You know why? Because when we go to heaven, our memories are going to be cleansed, healed, restored, uh, someone wrote, redeem, I like that. We're going to understand things in a whole different way. We're going to see things in a whole different perspective when we're in heaven. So here's God drawing these guys in Revelation chapter 6, verse 11, to rest. Rest, you guys. No worries here. None of that's here. 
And what's going on there? No worries. I'm going to take care of it. Just be at rest. So God answers the prayers in two ways. Don't let your concern about injustice on earth take away from the rest and joy in heaven. And the second thing we see here, God saying, wait for more will be saved and more martyred before justice is met in the final judgment. That's what he's saying here when he says, well, uh, um, rest a little while longer. Wait, wait, you guys, until the number of their fellow servants and brothers, the, the guys serving God down there, the guys in their family uh, who are children of God, just wait a little, little while longer until it's complete until they are killed like you guys were killed and martyred and they're going to be with you. Wait until that number of martyrs is complete until they come and join you too. Yeah? There's more coming. So just rest. It's all right. I'm sovereign. I have things in hand. Seven years tribulation, not a day more than what I will. Yeah. Don't worry. The thing about this, I think this is saying also, if more are to die for Jesus, that means then more will come to be saved in the tribulation, right? These guys are saying, hey, bring justice now, God. Let, let it end now. We're here. God's saying, just wait. There's more coming. But you know what that means? There's more people that are going to be saved. That God's going to continue to give chance for more to be saved before the end comes at the end of the seven years. How many times have you prayed, right? I think about how I prayed. Jesus, come right now. Right? Jesus, I'm going to say the word, Maranatha, come please, right? Lord, I, 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 it's getting hard. I don't want to face this thing. Oh, Lord, please. You know, God, I know you're sovereign. I know you have your will, but you know what I think? It'd be a really good time for the rapture to happen right now. <laughs> you ever thought that? You ever thought that? I, I, how many times I prayed that? God will answer that prayer one day soon. And I, I think really soon. But it could be he's delaying because there's still more to come to Jesus and be saved to go up in the rapture. Yeah. And that's what we pray for, right? Like Romans 11.25 talks about until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And the verse talks about then God will work with Israel. Then the tribulation, basically. And so there's God's moving. God has a certain amount of people going to be saved in his sovereign, you know, sovereign eyes and control of things. He, he knows. Oh, no. We're waiting for this guy, yeah, to come to be saved. And then the rapture happened, you know. Are you holding things back? <laughs> I want to go, right? Well, in the same way, God says to the martyrs, martyrs, hey, there's still more. They're going to give their life to Jesus in the tribulation. They're going to die for their faith too. They're going to be solid people because they're going to stand up in that way. So just wait a little while longer. Just wait. Isn't that what God says sometimes? To, the answers to our prayers, sometimes it's what? Yes. He answers us in three ways, right? He can answer number one, yes. He can answer what? No. And what's the third way? Wait, right. Sometimes he says wait, and here he tells him, wait. And perhaps it's because even in our own lives, God is working, orchestrating something for someone to be saved. Yeah. So this is the trusted word. God's saying, just, just trust me. I will take care of things. No worries. But trust me right now. And God is saying to us as we close up, trust His word, trust His will, trust His plan. I think what God is talking about in His plan to wait and that more people are going to be saved, I think part of God's plan is that the tribulation saints, the tribulation believers that are even still there on earth, when they're persecuted, or even when they're martyred and killed, they're going to be a witness to others, and that's going to bring people to the Lord. So God is saying, just rest a little while longer. Just wait. I'm still working my plan. I'm still using people. I'm still going to save some people, uh, believers down there, to be saved. I think God is saying, oh, there's still some more witnessing to go on. 
I'll close with this. From Acts 12, 2, we know that Herod beheaded the apostle James, right? Brother of John. Uh, he, Stephen was the first martyr, but James was the first apostle, like a disciple of Jesus, to be martyred. He was beheaded. Tradition tells us that when James was condemned to death, the guard who was watching over him was powerfully moved by, by James' witness, how calm and peaceful he was, how courageous he was, how, how, how he just took this in, in, in stride. And on the way to the place of execution, this guard, this soldier, begged for James to forgive him for his part in the execution. Tradition says James turned to him and said, Peace to you, I forgive you, and gave him a hug. The guard couldn't take it. That broke him. And right then and there, he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And when they reached the place of execution, the guard knelt down before, uh, knelt down next to James and was beheaded with him. That's the testimony. That's something Satan can distinguish, yeah? The power of the blood in the testimony. That's what these guys had. When you trust God's will and plan, when you rest in Him, even in times of persecution and death, you know what? People come to Jesus. So no matter the injustice that is done, God still has things under control. And we're going to trust God what He says here. Just as He asked these guys. God is still sovereign. He's holy and true. And we trust God in what he says here, that there is the coming justice for the martyrs of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, for speaking to us today, Lord. God, um, I pray and hope that we all can see more clearly what's going on today is a shadow of things coming that we can understand more why a society can persecute, abuse, and even kill a Christian, whether it's in this country or another country. Lord, we can see it coming here, though. And we know it will be here in the future, and the whole world is against you and Christians. Lord, we don't want to make excuses anymore, but we want to live for you. God, we know that the world will be judged for rejecting you and, and, and wanting sin more than you, Lord. But God, we don't want our sins no more. We don't, we don't, God, free us today of our habits, Lord, and, and help us to, to step up. Help us to really live for you. Help us, God, to turn our lives around, to give our life to you, maybe for the first time. But help us, God, to have our eyes open to see what we read today, that in this prophecy, God, we see the shadow of those things. And so, Lord, free us, God. Give us victory in our lives, Lord. May we be more courageous, Lord, in sharing your word and our testimony and what's coming. Oh, Lord. We pray for the persecuted right now around the world. We pray for those who are suffering for their faith, Lord. We pray for those who face death every day, who are abused, God, by society, Lord. We pray for those who, who Lord, are, are hurt physically, emotionally, God, who are, are battered and beaten every day. We pray that you give them strength every day in a sense of your presence every day, and that your Holy Spirit, God, through that, would have them shine as bright lights. God, I am humbled that we don't face those things today, but I know days coming. But help me, help us all, Lord, to follow in the footsteps of those who have gone before us, Lord, throughout the centuries, who were persecuted and martyred and never backed down. And Lord, we, we will not because we know the truth. And we know how Satan and evil is fooling everybody. And we don't want to be fooled, God. 
Help us today. And every day, God, we will be careful to give you glory for who we are and what we are and what we do is because of you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and dying on the cross for us and rising again for saving us. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Let us not take advantage of that grace, but let us live for you because of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.